There are a lot of people who lie and get away with it. Over the North Atlantic, toward the east coast of the United States. The other tower just collapsed. President Kennedy died. This week on Inside Jobs, Brian, Gene, and Lee investigate the origins of conspiracy theory. Hello! Within hours of the April 15th Boston Marathon bombing, social media, independent news outlets, and personal blogs were rife with nascent theories about the government's involvement in this perpetuation of a false flag attack. Parents of victims in the December Newtown, Connecticut school shooting were accused of being crisis actors. A not inconsequential number of observers demand the government reveal its complicity in covering up the Benghazi attacks. It seems that every new public catastrophe is immediately followed by a chorus of voices just asking questions about the shadowy nature of the narrative behind the narrative. Fluoridation, Obama's birth certificate, the 9-11 attacks, the assassination of JFK, the implementation of a new world order by the Illuminati controlled by the elders of Zion. Why do so many seemingly rational people believe in conspiracies? Joining me to discuss the social and psychological mechanism of this substantial and growing subculture are civilian investigator Eugene Backpack O'Neill, gentlemen, and conspiracy expert Lee Golden. Gentlemen and Brian. Yes. I'm historian Brian Lane. Welcome to Inside Jobs. So, guys, we have a bit of a doozy on our hands. This is a broad topic. I am so excited to cut deep into it. It's basically the broadest topic we could have. Mm -hmm. Well, we're not talking about a dame from the 50s. (laughs) (laughs) We would would have said broad dish. Those legs go all the way up. (sighs) To what? We don't know, because it's the 50s. They go all the way up to a conservative knee-length dress. Um... (laughs) So, so Gene, you were the one who pushed for us to do a sort of meta episode where we take into consideration the, you know, the broader the broader nature of why people believe in conspiracies and conspiracy theories. Right. Uh, this is going to be some strange ground for me because usually I do zero research before the show. Uh, preferring just to toss grenades at you guys. Don't tell them that. Try to explain that you do a lot of research. Oh, right. I normally do lots of research, uh, and this time I did some lots of research. (laughs) (laughs) I normally do no lots, but this time I did some lots. Uh, Mm. Is um, that a discount store, some lots? Yeah, that's the uh, in the Mexican... Uh, neighborhoods of LA. They have some. Always got to make it racial, lots. Gene. Hey, man. Yeah. Always got to wow. make it racial. Sorry, you put me we're... on the spot with my lots <laughs> we're knowledge. Less... We're, we're less there, than though. five minutes into the episode, and we're already getting racist. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think. I mean, obviously, Brian, we have an interesting conspiracy theory, and that's why we do this show. Um, and uh, normally. You err on the side of 
the official story, while I like to kind of play devil's advocate and take, uh, you know, the sort of populist potential inside job story, and then Lee, um, you just like to go wherever the most sex is involved. Because Yeah, exactly. I basically got into conspiracies for the side P. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the in the Duke Nukem tie-in, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, but Gene, you you raise an interesting point. This like interesting conspiracies. Um, well, I definitely. Get, I, I like definitely... to think of it. Oh, sorry. Well, I oh, like sorry. to think of it in terms of why conspiracy theories. Like, why do we have them? I mean, except for the beyond the fact that they're all true. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, like, there's obviously some very far-fetched ones that come out there. I mean, the Newtown one was, like, kind of particularly striking. Um, both yeah, that was so D. Like, they should not have done that. that. That one was just in bad taste. Well, it was in poor taste, but it was also just, like, just the um, the, nar- the narratives that were constructed. Like, what, what had to have taken place in order for that to be, uh, you know, with the whole, like, the, they were crisis actors and there were no actual you know, children involved. It just like, what, like a whole town was in on it. Like the number of the, the scale of that conspiracy and the fact that it made more sense to people than it just actually happening. Yeah. Well, I, what, what I think is interesting about the new town and, and sort of the nature of these conspiracies that we keep seeing popping up. I mean, one of the big parts of this episode is that where it's happening, you know, we're recording this in the, in the, in the shadow of the Boston, bombing uh where it was literally hours after the explosion happened that people were talking about the government's complicity and you know how it was a false flag attack and when they when they found a a, that saudi person you know person of interest it was immediately you know unraveled into this crazy story much crazier than it turned out to be um, but that seems to be every time something like this happens there, that, that also happens immediately after the Newtown thing was, was suddenly, you know, Obama trying to take our guns away, um, any other shootings. So like the, the James Holmes shooting in, uh, Aurora, that was immediately, oh, the, the government is trying to make these catastrophes in order to take our guns away. Uh, and Benghazi and Obama's birth certificate and 9-11, it seems like that narrative of, you know, event followed immediately by crazy conspiracy theory has been has been happening more and more, or at least, you know, our perception of it has has been at least my my perception of it is that it happens more and more. And I would say this is probably a post 9-11 thing. But at the same time, like. It it might be more that just because the nature of the media has changed and people can do podcasts and people can have their own uh, websites and that sort of thing has has given voice or a broader voice to all those people who believe in that sort of thing. Right, and, like these and conversations made it more immediate. So these conversations have been going on for as long as crimes have been committed. There's been conspiracy theories, but. Um, now that, as you said, people can just go on YouTube, they don't have to just sort of talk in dark corners about this stuff. You can just kind of spread it all over the place if you want. Yeah, I think people call that like, confirmation bias. Um, and it's obviously, it's a lot more widespread now, this idea that, yeah, like Lee, you were saying, it used to be something you'd talk about in dark corners. You'd have to physically meet a person that would yeah, exactly. be like, hey, I think something happened to, you know, with JFK too. 
And now um, the discourse for this thing is so pervasive and widespread comparatively uh, yeah. just by the nature of yeah, YouTube and podcasts and info wars. Yeah, and in every single YouTube video I have posted up on my account that's related to JFK, after I post it, just a huge back and forth always occurs between conspiracy theorists and conspiracy debunkers, and it's kind let, of interesting. It's let like, me interrupt. Let, let me interrupt for one second. For people who are new to the show or don't know, Lee also runs a website that is uh, JFK 007 dot net is dot it dot com dot com dot uh, net. Come on, Brian. What kind of <laughs> loser do you think I am? Can't score a dot fucking com. JFK 007.us. Dot geocities. Dot AOL hometown. Yeah. Dot biz. Lee is not a captain of industry. Uh, Ulta Vista. Um, <laughs> I'm a lieutenant of industry. No, he's got he's got JFK 007.com, which is a really, really cool website that uh, you go under the name Assassination Agnostic. And that'll uh, come into play later as we talk about kind of what, what Gene wants to talk about here. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's it's a really great website about JFK. I recommend highly if you're at all interested in it. And if you aren't, why are you listening to the show? <laughs> uh, but yeah, go check it out. It's a really, really fun way to kill a couple hours. So sorry, whenever you post something related to that. Yeah, this the interesting back and forth on YouTube. It's just like watching people scream about um, flying saucers and second gunmen on my front lawn. You know what I mean? It's like go out to get the newspaper on the internet. Um, and, uh, you know, there's just all these crazy shit slinging squabbles about this photograph and that photograph and this factoid and that factoid. And it's, it's rather fascinating. And I'm just sort of happy to be part of the discourse and try to stay neutral. Um, and that's where the agnostic comes into play is that it's become this re religious debate almost where people are believing things, uh, rather than trying to prove them. And uh, I think it's important to, not uh, believe anything you should just know the facts and base conclusions on those facts so i think it's well, that, interesting an, uh, oh. oh sorry oh i think it's interesting that you kind of say like the agnostic thing is interesting because it, the dynamic of debunkers versus conspiracy theorists is similar to i think like you know for lack of a better term bible thumpers versus atheists who you know the, the argument will get extremely heated and personal right. uh with kind of you know no real uh room for mutual respective views uh you know as i was a lit student i was a uh, lit uh, major in college and so i like to look at these things kind of through a um a perspective of narrative um, kind of through the perspective of the great gatsby yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> i was a clit major in college uh but uh seriously folks i find <laughs> The adults are talking, Lee. Yeah. If, okay, sorry. But I'll if we could kind of take, table. if we could kind of take a step back from you know focusing on the you know Newtown and uh, Boston and just look at the basic subtext of uh, conspiracy theories, um, I feel like there's a lot of similarity to uh, the way myths were constructed in you know exactly. in, in any ancient society, um, and the purpose of myth. Um, you know, in ancient well, Greece. Can ancient, I, can I, oh. sorry, can I just make one small point that's, that's related to this, that I think expands it a little and clarifies. Okay. Um, I've got really great muscles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, uh, I, in the lead up to, uh, recording this show, I've been talking to people, uh, and, and, uh, that's a rarity for me. 
Um, but no, I've been asking people, like, what do they think about conspiracies? Where do they think they come from? And I was talking to this guy who said th- that very thing, but in a in a in an interesting, biased way, because he was like, <laughs> you know, that the, those Newtown people or nine eleven truthers. It's just like religion. It's just like religion. It can but, be, yes. But 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 I think I think that's a little bit n- narrow. I think that's uh, there's bias in there because. The the way that we construct these narratives and the way that myths are, arrive uh, rise, there are certainly secular myths, and while there is maybe not a you know there aren't religious tenets behind some of these myths, the the well Kennedy is like, a myth well, himself. Well, well, like no, no, no. But I think I think um, posing that it is uh, it's like religion in a pejorative is disingenuous i think to religion like, yeah i don't think know. i i don't think i was very clear the way i preambled it i wanted to say that it was right well similar. but i mean i yeah i don't think i'm even being clear when i'm trying to explain this so maybe you can take up the torch and save me but um uh you know comparing it to religion as a negative doesn't really result in anything that's there's no intellectual work that's been done yeah then you just um, piss off conspiracy theorists and religious people um and I mean, that's ultimately how I went from being a conspiracy theorist to more of a, I guess, a debunker. Some people would would call me um, skeptic. Is skeptic, exactly. I mean, there's conspiracy theory, and then there's conspiracy fact. You know what I mean? Like the fact that JFK's brain is missing, like that's not a theory. That's a fact, and it kind of depends but on how you say it, right? How that how that ties into this overarching myth of uh, a very a shadowy government conspiracy that has, you know assassinated its its lead executive in order to yeah. perpetuate military activities etc but sorry i i this this sideline interrupted gene yeah sorry gene and i want to i, I want to think you're on to something good and i think i know give him back the conch uh yeah well i mean I, I could the whole like yeah jfk's brain is missing is probably uh, a good little symbol or a representation of I think the need to create conspiracy theories because it's a, it's an attempt to totalize um, incomplete knowledge. Um, like if we look at t- t- take polytheism in ancient religion, and it's just because people had a very poor material understanding of the world. They you know, and the way it was explained was that there were just gods in everything. There was you precisely know, the world is a terrifying and chaotic place, and especially. You know, think about being back in the day and and not understanding why the sun rose and fell like this giant flaming ball of fire would just kind of like roam around the earth at its own will. And so that's a terrifying, chaotic thing. And so in order to create uh, order out of that chaos, they come up with this story that's like, oh, yeah, that's just Apollo on his chariot. He just, you know, carries that uh, sun around. People go, oh, OK, cool. That makes sense. And then they can go to sleep at night when the sun has gone down. And it's kind of the same way. When um, people are terrified of the fact that, say, one person could kill someone as important as a president uh, without anyone's help. And it's uh, having a conspiracy theory, a reason why he died is kind of the same way as when people say, well, you know, God has a plan when someone dies. You know, it was God's plan that, you know, Jesus died. Um, and a conspiracy is like that plan that there's some big greater force that's that's uh pulling the strings and planning this here and and it makes people get over um and process the grief from these events um in a, a way that you know kind of um is easier to process yeah in a way i feel like it's kind of a a sort of 
it's a creation myth in a funhouse mirror um, because with yeah. you know creation myths they give us our origin stories and uh, they're also useful because they kind of sanction the ruling class and then kind of have this like trickle down effect where they you know sanction the race against that of the other um, you know nations they might be up against um, right and if you but with conspiracy theory it's sort of I think maybe for lack of a better word, like a death mythology, because exactly we find like, we don't see uh, it's not really affirming the uh, aristocracy or the upper class or the kind of institutions that rule over us, but they're more kind of undermining them. And they kind of portend this kind of end of things that we sort of identify with our existence, freedom or well, well, what, uh, privacy. What, what about just, what, what about is sort of um, to throw a wrench at that explanation? What about the, way in which authoritarian governments and i'm thinking specifically of you know north korea stalinist russia and nazi germany <clears throat> what about when these author authoritarian governments use the institutions in order to sell conspiracies mm -hmm. so like um yeah i think a big one in stalinist russia was the wreckers you have to constantly keep your eyes out for wreckers and those were people that were you know imperialist or capitalist agents who were working in factories that were you know basically going to literally throw a wrench in the works to slow down soviet pr production or right. of course you know the the you know huge degree to which anti-semitic conspiracy theories well it goes back Nazi to the, Germany the assassination sold, of christ yeah which is like the original anti-Jewish conspiracy theory, which is, oh, there was this conspiracy against Jesus between all of his, you know, uh, former brethren, and they, they took him down. But, Lee, and we're talking it... about make-believe conspiracies <laughs> right now. Exactly. <laughs> well, but, no, what, what, uh, my question is really, you know, what about when the institution is using those narratives and selling them, you know, often via agitprop? To the, to the population, what what is the... Well, that goes back to the USS Maine, which is kind of the, the first <laughs> f uh, false flag in American history. You know, there was this, this explosion that happened on our ship, um, and it basically incited the Spanish-American War in, in Cuba. And um, Man, remember when I thought we could do an entire episode about that? Fuck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can. We just said everything that there is to say about it. Well, and, and some people think that that's a false flag, and the false flag is a common theme when it comes to 9-11 and Boston, and, mm -hmm. and that seems to be um, the consensus for, among conspiracy theorists, what's happening with these attacks. Yeah, well, I think between the main and uh, Brian, the kind of uh, um, authoritarian governments you mentioned, you probably have somewhere in there the cradle of the kind of conspiracy theorizing we're seeing today because I would this is probably something that rose alongside of the growth of mass media um, but that kind of using paranoia as a sort of tool for statehood um, it's it was kind of really a, an informational technology uh, yeah in itself and the Nazis were great at it the ability to mobilize public opinion <laughs> um, how, what's so funny Brian the Nazis were great at it. Yeah, if we were on I Adam Carolla's thought... podcast, he like that that uh, sound guy would take that and like every time someone would call in to be like, the Nazis are great at that. Yeah, I don't have the ability to do that in real time on this show, but also I definitely... you'd be a douchebag if you did do that. If you had drops I'm going to of pluck us. that and just call your mother. Coming and, up uh, next, a symbol part... horrible. <laughs> Coming up next, a ten part episode of Lee of what Lee admired about the Nazis. <laughs> And then uh, drops of Dr. Drew saying that Brian is gay. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Fuck, anyway. What was I talking about? Well, I think um, you were talking about like were, kind of you, death cults. Okay, and... using using paranoia as an informational technology. Right. Um, and right. well, I, I mean, again, to throw a challenge to that, what about, what about you know, if you look back at the and and my my historical knowledge biases here will come out obviously, but what about in in the centuries preceding mass media? Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, Martin Luther. When that that the Reformation happened right around the time that the printing press became more yeah. available. I guess I'm just confirming what you just said as I think about it. <laughs> that, uh, note, that note that he <laughs> that note that Martin Luther put on that church um, was really important because that was the first time that a, a black guy had done something like that. <laughs> I think that note just was a long list of things that the nazis were good at (laughs) that's why there were 75 of them 95 95 right sorry um (laughs) but yeah i think it's interesting to to to, i was thinking of the abridged second version (laughs) (laughs) but the 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 way in which conspiracy theories are used by by either individuals or groups um, but especially in, in, in terms of the way uh, that authoritarian governments and just any government can use them, which is that it uh, embedded in the mythmaking is this uh, implied mythmaking about uh, identifying groups or establishing establishing definitions of what groups are. So if the government is saying they are against us and look at this conspiracy that they they being the Jews or they being, you know, the different Illuminati, nationalities or, or the yeah, group yeah, or we're all in this together. These people are working behind the scenes against us. So right. this is why we need to go to war with, you know, these other people or, you know, commit some huge sacrifice that the populace may not otherwise be interested in making. Yeah, and what's under attack is it's not so much framed in like kind of a mortal danger, but it's our it's who we are is that what's yeah, in danger. Uh, it's our I, beliefs. There's an identity are, narrative. Yeah, they're against what we believe in. And so when you think about when belie- how connected beliefs are to myth and that now you're kind of kind of cre- it's I don't know how I would say it, but it's like you're kind of, it's an inversion of that where now our myths are strengthened not from you know like a creation or a, a creation myth but now like from like a death myth like our myths will die if we don't defend them from this other uh, so so basically you're saying that this is another way of saying hail to the king baby <laughs> yeah. it well, it pretty much is well yeah the the thing you're talking about the death myth the death myth creates the death cult and when you think about Christ and JFK or MLK or Malcolm X, these martyred figures, it, it's, a, it's a similar thing. And I, and I call them the orphans of Camelot in the case of JFK, which were these, these people who, who are emotionally traumatized by this event. Um, and um, they feel like something, a better future, was taken away from them. Right. It was and, like the the assassination of Martin Luther King or Malcolm X was a, a blow to the civil rights movement or the death of JFK. We've kind of yeah. historically revised to be a death of democracy. Or right. John Lennon or Harvey Milk. You know, any, any not in a pejorative sense, but any... Uh, 
demagogue figure that was leading some sort of abuse. Why was Harvey Milk the last one that you you had in there? And then before you said demagogue. Well, I like I said, I don't mean demagogue in a pejorative sense, just a leader, but who was able to, like in the classic sense of a, a leader of the people. Um, uh, but I totally ran out of what I was saying. Oh. I was agreeing with you, though. You guys are basically right. Yeah, and I, I think that. <laughs> oh I, no, I I did have a question though, Lee. Is or sure. is orphans of Camelot your personal term? Did you come up with that? Yes, I did indeed. I Ooh, really good love it. Term. That is a really, really good term. So if anyone steals that, it can be it's recorded Dude, here. You gotta on, on you gotta internet. patent that shit before it ends up as a T-shirt on Threadless. But I I like it for its broader implications or or bro- broader uses rather. Yeah. Um, because it is, it is. I mean, <laughs> that's people, people were traumatized by 9-11, and it's the, they're like, I, I'll always remember where I was that day. Um, and uh, it used to be Pearl Harbor, and then it became JFK, and now it's 9-11. It's these seminal events, and they become these sort of tent poles in our national narrative. And I think that's why conspiracy talk is, is interesting and good for the, the narrative in general, because these events become entry points into discussing actual history. So you might conclude, well, there actually wasn't a conspiracy here, but in getting to know all the characters, uh, historical figures, and facts that add up to a possible conspiracy, you learn something about history, the real history, um, and uh, you enrich your understanding of, of history. And I think that that's a good thing. Um, the, the trick is, well, how do you find the, the, the right quote unquote the right facts who do you trust do you trust the the 911 report or do you trust uh, info wars i mean i don't really trust any of these people <laughs> and and that's that's why i'm the agnostic and the the i don't want to commit to either side because i everyone has some agenda in the narrative they're trying to push on us yeah mm-hmm. uh 911 is a good point because i mean whether you believe that that was an inside job or not um there were def- i mean there were two real consequences of that and one was that it was immediately connected to an attack on who we are, um, yeah. you know, the Bush administration um, kind of framed it as this attack on our freedom. Um, and uh, fuck, what was the other point I was going to make? Um, uh, the Iraq war or the wars abroad? Oh, well, well, yeah, no, that too. But then also that, yeah, there was, um, I don't know how, I don't remember how quickly it started to take shape, but the, uh, the kind of inside, it, you know, it was an inside job theorizing, Mm-hmm. did arise from it and i think 911 is really where the paranoia that governments had so you know usefully dispensed of um for their own benefits that's probably i'd I like to think of it kind of like skynet in terminator 2 where they have this <laughs> great technology that you know will make them whatever the ultimate war machine and it grows it grows too powerful for its own good and ends up turning on it and I feel like that. And is, you're saying that machine is is paranoia. I yeah, I think that paranoia is kind of similar. It's I, if you think of it in terms of as a kind of technology, rising alongside of the actual technology of communication, um, people's ability to have their own dis to kind of master their own discourse. I mean, because when you think about it, it's like before we got all of our information from print media and yeah. then television, news media, and it was a very one way discourse. And now with, uh, you know, forums and YouTube and 4chan uh, and FARC, yeah. which Brian was very <laughs> pleased uh, to find us mentioned on. 
<laughs> well, That's it was cool. somebody posted about us in the comments, and I was just sweet. Thanks. I was commenter. just happy that one of our fans is uh, promoted us. Brian was doing was his Fark, admin. Yeah. Brian was doing his admin duties on Fark.com, <laughs> and he noticed that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's just like now that um, that kind of discourse is, has become so democratized. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of tech, that paranoia technology has, I think, now escaped the the uh, the kind of bounds of what the government and media used to be able to control. Yeah, and like the paranoia of... has has become self aware. Yeah, and it's... and it's in popular culture. I mean, people love having self aware conspiracy shit in their movies. Like, I think one of the Transformer movies at the beginning, like it shows the conspiracy to get to the moon is actually because they had to get some like Transformers that fell on the moon or something like that. Right, had, like this shot of JFK, like we got to get you to moon so we can stop the robots, so we can know? get the Transformers. That's, that's kind of. That's kind of in a lot of those blockbuster movies, like an Independence Day. It's this movie about alien invasion, and then they're just like, "Oh, by the way, Roswell was right." Yeah, we always go visit knew about there. It. Right. It's become it's really shaped the way we started to historicize, and now we look at, you know, almost everything we've ever done with, uh, you know, with with suspicion. Because Brent Spiner is somewhere in Area Fifty One, hiding <laughs> all the secrets from us. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I know you guys aren't big sports fans, and I'm going to probably make another hey, hey, strained hey, analogy here. Fan. Oh, you're a big baseball fan, Lee, so you'll yeah. appreciate this. But Shout out to my Oakland A's. But so, Lee, you know about baseball, yeah. and you know what a profound impact the Jose Canseco book had yeah. um, on, oh, the, on, on the culture of not just baseball, but sports and you know, basically all so of when sports. So when you say book, you're saying just a collection, a printed of collection of his tweets? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where he's talking about different pilots that he feels like he should produce, where he plays like a gym teacher or some shit, and yells about how he should be in the Hall of Fame, and then possibly abuses his girlfriend. God, poor, I love I love Ken Seiko. Poor Jose Canseco. He, he was born 30, 20 or 30 years too early, because he's just <laughs> such a Twitter genius by total accident. <laughs> and just nobody you know could have known in the 80s just what a great social media guy he was, because there was no social media. But uh, anyway, the point I was going to make was that, like, after Jose Canseco, uh, steroids was always something we kind of suspected. It was always like this kind of very fringe thing that there were probably some guys that were doing it, but it was very few people that were doing it, and they were bad people. You know, they were yeah. they were they were always like the kind of end of the batting order guy, or like, oh yeah, he wouldn't have been able to play the sport if he didn't get steroids like he, he we kind yeah. of he was excluded from that kind of pantheon you know great athletes were always thought of in terms of being all natural and having a god-given gift like the same way that um people would have understood nature yeah um, cheating was more Greece like doing a, Egypt. doing yeah. a spitball or something you know while you're pitching or doing some kind of uh thing with uh, uh something that helps you cheat but it was like kind of old-timey and folksy almost although a, a guy recently got accused of that by some broadcasters the other night yeah so. i saw that but i <laughs> but right but the the talent of of athletes was always kind of connected with um this kind of godly grace that we couldn't really understand it was very hierarchical and and so it kind of commanded this Pete Rose embodied reverence. <laughs> what? I said Pete Rose certainly embodied it. Yeah. With his um, doing coke and diving face first into anything. Yes. <laughs> and his awesome aqua velvet commercials yeah. where he sings. Oh, those are great. Somewhere he's betting on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, uh, I think I, I think a, 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 another point, a non-sports 
point. Brian, if I is... could just complete my point really quick, unless you have a It's so obvious where you're going. Everybody else is there. I know okay. you only like sports that are captured in Lenny Riefenstahl movies, but we got to talk about something. Okay, sorry. I will I will fast forward to my point, which is, yes, after, after steroids now, we look at every athlete with like, oh, well, he must be doing steroids. Any athlete yeah. that has any kind of achievement must be doing steroids. And we've kind of, it's that whole like innocent loss innocence loss thing and we kind of do it with the same we do it with any kind of atrocity that happens in the united states Jose canseco is an atrocity <laughs> no i'm saying it's i'm saying it's similar to the conspiracy theorizing that now shapes uh historicity what if jose canseco is behind all of this stuff well he was closing a deal for studebaker <laughs> the day jfk was shot in, in new york city that the day that the planes came in he was closing a deal for studebaker uh-huh. I was going to point something out that's sort of um, a sidestep from what you're saying, Gene. Uh, it's a it's a Baudrillard uh, point about Watergate, and uh, what he what he said is that you know Watergate happened, and it was revealed that government officials were actually committing crimes up to the the fucking president, and that was right, the, right. That, but that but, began uh, an era of paranoia as well. Well, well, no. He he said it, he said it was actually. It, while it seems like it it ushered in an era of paranoia, it actually did the opposite thing, because the people who were doing bad things were revealed and then, for the most part, punished. And so, the general uh, social opinion on what happened was that bad people were dealt justice. Guys, I'm sorry. That I, means... I have to pee so bad. What should we do? <laughs> Oh, God. Just hold it in for two seconds. I'm almost done with my point. Okay. <laughs> Keep this um, in. The, the, point, the, the social consensus was that the bad people were dealt justice and that no more bad people are out there secretly getting away with things. <laughs> okay. So that idea that, oh, bad people get punished, this is the only example of, you know, malfeasance in the government that we should have paid attention to because it was the only – it was it was revealed. The fact that it was revealed is uh, this type of you know bad, evil people are punished. Confirmation. And wasn't malfeasance a character in Harry Potter? Uh, <laughs> yes. It was one of the Horcruxes. <laughs> okay. Um. The 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 larger point being that we only see these things as like offerings that confirm everything in the background is going okay. And I think that that's an interesting point, but I think it's been totally dismantled by the 9-11 instance, where instead of people thinking, yeah. oh, you know, uh, the the bad people were punished or the bad people will be punished, it's like, oh, no, everything is going on behind the scenes and finally the veil is lifted. Man, so I think let's take a break on that note pee. and, and uh, we'll be back in a, in a couple minutes. We'll be right back on Inside Jobs, brought to you by... Inside jobs happening. This was a false flag. It was tied to Sandy Hook. It was tied to a bomb drill, which you know shades of 9/11. There, uh, it was. What else? Ha- oh, they had a Facebook page or a tribute page already made out of eight hours earlier. They're not even trying. Like Sandy Hook, they're not even trying to mask this. They're not even trying to mask it. Uh, so, Gene, I believe you had a tangent that you wanted to go on. I had a tangent Sorry. that I wanted to go on. I could well, have let's just, keep this organized. I could have just started that, but I'm glad we started with a clumsy okay. preamble there. 
No, let's uh, let's have a let's have a clean up. No, I, for we're that. keeping all of this. I want everyone uh... to see just how disorganized and unprofessional we are behind the scenes. But anyway, uh, you bring up a great point with uh, the wa- the Watergate scandal because it seemed like the bad all the bad people were caught and they were punished. Um, in the case of JFK and nine eleven. We didn't have that satisfaction where the bad guy was caught and punished because Lee Harvey Oswald was killed the next day and uh, the people that perpetrated 9-11 all died on the plane, supposedly. Well, and then when we got 9-11... Well, d- oh, sorry. When we got Osama bin Laden, uh, the the reaction was so interesting. Like, there's this great picture of these, like, two young people making out in the streets of Washington while everyone just, like, rages party around them. And uh, it's kind of like the end of World War Two. Yeah, exactly. Except you could see more gluteal fold slash side boob. <laughs> Gotta see that picture. <laughs> see that side boob. <laughs> yeah, man. Mm, well, I mean, the theory I was going to offer up was like, is that inability or to punish the person who did it that like not getting that satisfaction does that maybe of making feed... out in the street in, of Washington? Yeah. Well, does that I don't know. Does that cause us to look for villains elsewhere? I think you're absolutely right. You know. Well, I think it does, but also like um, in in the terms of the, these things that have happened recently, like the Tsarnaev brothers and uh, James Holmes, the Aurora shooter, mm-hmm. uh, have been caught, and yet there are these insane conspiracy theories about how it was actually the government and a lot of those people didn't actually die and it's just a huge movement so that they can take our guns away okay so then i'm totally off (laughs) (laughs) well i i don't think you're totally off but those are definitely uh points that you'd have to consider in that theory like um the 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 thing is i've been tweeting a lot about that this week so if people want to follow us at, at Inside Jobs Cast on Twitter, uh, they can see some of those tweets there. But there's sort of this weird phenomenon that has uh, blown up that seems inspired by the fact that um, Jokar Tsarnaev, the younger brother, is who, so uh, handsome, is still alive. Yes, it's that he's so cute and handsome. I'm pretty and... sure he was on HBO HBO's Girls. Yeah, they were filming that <laughs> yeah. near my bar recently, yeah, he, and I he saw came it. on someone's tits, right? Well, Lena Dunham was <laughs> responding to criticism that she didn't have enough Chechen terrorists <laughs> on her show, but plenty of coming on tits. More yeah. TV needs to have coming on tits. Yeah, um, that was a great Friends episode, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the one where they come on her tits. <laughs> <laughs> I just got that. I just got that. <laughs> Um, no, but but yeah, it seems to be inspired by these tweens who think he's really hot and ha- have bought into this awful idea that it you know there's tons of photoshopped video stills and how did uh, they have two different backpacks if one of them blew up and, and all this stuff. So you're saying the tweens uh, are the the most ardent conspiracy theorists? It seems like the tweens have 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 blossomed into the tweens are coming. Uh, <laughs> the the on our are coming. <laughs> Sorry, man. I wish I just lost. my plans got canceled. <laughs> Ew, gross. <laughs> you wish they were coming on your tits. No, but uh, but it's a it's a very it's a very odd phenomenon that that is going on online. And I won't mention her name, but a friend of mine will call her 
Kathy has uh has uh has a niece who's like twenty one. So uh, you know, she was uh in grade school during nine eleven. Um and she's grown up into this young woman who sort of believes in you know, nine eleven was an inside job. The Newtown parents were crisis actors, all that sort of stuff. And I think it's interesting because it's someone who basically, like her memories of nine eleven, are probably you know nothing or very vague at best. And uh, but she grew up. All in a she remembers that is that ve- Khalid Al Bindar was really hot. <laughs> <laughs> she was actually one of the kids in the classroom where um, George Bush was reading that book. Yeah, the pet goat. Yeah, um, reading I th- Persian Tiger Beat magazine. <laughs> I think that, <laughs> but but, but you know, my point still stands. It's it's interesting that someone who basically can't remember this, just as we cannot remember, you know, John Lennon's murder or uh, the JFK assassination. Well, because you're ancient, Gene. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I was but it's these people who have baby. grown up in this. The people who have grown up in a society that is much more technologically connected and where these voices are having you know a a wider range and so for people like us who are or or older who are like oh yeah that shit is nonsense they have never had the filter to to filter out those voices in their life and so you know they're young they don't like authority already because parents are just don't understand well here's the thing and they're 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 buying into that i i think it's an interesting phenomenon i don't know if it uh, if it's as widespread as i may believe but it certainly is interesting i think it's sorry lee i think it's pretty widespread because you think about remember that that game um that uh girls played when we were kids mash Um, we all played that (laughs) Yeah. No, no, the one where like it was like I a, married Tom Cruise. It came with like Wait, a, the the game that girls played when we were younger, Shun Brian. <laughs> <laughs> no, is that game where there was like a little phone and like different boys were on like cards and the girls would like select like, a boy on the card and try to get him to call her on the little like phone. I remember some of my sister's friends had this. Yeah, and, and Poindexter um, looked like Brian. <laughs> I just imagine that the girls these days have that game, but instead of like hot sort of say by the bell looking dudes, it's uh, actually the list of nine eleven terrorists. <laughs> Muhammad Atta's unibrow is considered sexiest by the girls. Yeah, he always had a varsity jacket on. <laughs> uh, did he pin you? What is it? Bye bye birdie nine eleven hijackers. Oh uh, man, is that a, is that a play that could be written? Bye bye, Birdie, the jihadist who <laughs> was a famous rock star. Wanted to go on Ed Sullivan and kiss a girl from Sweet Apple, Ohio. <laughs> but he had yeah, he had to go off to fight jihad, and then he comes back and he's not as popular. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have fun. We have fun. <laughs> we have fun. Uh, but Brian, okay, earlier um, you were saying how uh, maybe this kind of youth fascination with conspiracy theory you could kind of connect it to uh a natural adolescent attitude towards the status quo which is yeah. always to up upend- right. to always upend it 
I was totally into yeah, conspiracy like in theorists, uh, conspiracy yeah. theory when I was a kid because there was all that crap on TV that was like ancient aliens and you know JFK the real story. There was just like suddenly that it wasn't just like two or three networks that were creating the narrative about these historical events or these tragic events. It was all of this deep cable crap on these you know quote unquote documentary channels that were just like pumping me. And, and all of us filled with these like weird conspiracy facts to the point where like by the time I went into high school, I thought that like JFK was like killed by the same aliens that murdered Lincoln. You know <laughs> what I mean? And they were Nazi, yeah. Nazi aliens. I remember in the library, those time life books uh, that were like about supernatural phenomenon and that yes. sort of phenomena and that sort of stuff. I used to read all of those and I thought it was just 100% true. I used to read ghost photography it. books. I thought that shit was true too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just whatever. Oh my I was God. just like, I want to you believe. Dorks. I, I watched the X Files. I was like balls deep into this. I want. And, to oh, the X Files was a huge part of. Like it. they even have a JFK in episode the 90s. where you know there's a grassy yeah. or a guy under the. Uh, it's the smoking man is under the mantle or the the manhole. So could it simply be that it's just always <laughs> the conspiracy is always the better story? Yes. That yes. it's that it's aliens or that it was our government or. It was the Jews, that it's always this nefarious other, a, a kind of mass... Rep- I don't know if adding Jews to the mix makes it a better story. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the original story for West Side Story was supposed to be East Side Story. This is actually true. And it was supposed to be like Jews versus Catholics, I think, before they change it over to just like white people versus Puerto Rican people. So in that case, taking the Jews out of the story, I think, made it better. <laughs> uh... Were you getting to something that we interrupted, Gene, about the natural uh, disinclination to 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 believe authority as an adolescent? Yeah, punk, being punk. Yeah, yeah being punk. I didn't. I didn't have so much as a refined view. I was more trying to just engender a discussion. I, I'm kind of. I guess I'm bringing it back to. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's your cousin Marvin. Did you know the government killed JFK? <laughs> Remember it's, that inside job you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. Chuck, it's your bro- it's your cousin, Marvin Barry. Listen to this. You know that new sound you're looking for? <laughs> Sorry, you said something about uh, Marvin. Alex! Alex, it's your cousin, Bob Jones. <laughs> you know that new TV show on the internet you've been looking for? Listen to this. Remember that new... <laughs> capitalistic group you've been looking for <laughs> oh i might die remember how they killed that baby Cut to the bilderberg group <laughs> what sorry the bilderberg group having an orgy at the bohemian grove yeah Ooh, that was a good that was for the ages yeah that was a good alex jones oh. episode yeah <laughs> all right back to the case uh, is did you know that today is the day that alex jones fell and hit his head on the toilet <laughs> Came up with the idea for InfoWars. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I have been... We have derailed. She's <laughs> Brian is just like a crazed jackal right now. You sound like Whoopi Goldberg from the fucking Lion King, dude. I, I think I like that Brian's okay. Whoopi Goldberg jackal laugh almost as much as his Ray Liotta in Goodfellas laugh. Hey everybody, it's Brian. I had to cut out uh, me basically just having a complete breakdown laughing right here. Uh, And then also an ice cream truck goes by and you can hear it in the background. It's very annoying and I'm very sorry. I just can't get it out. Okay, back to the show.
Okay. All right. Back to the. We have we have gone very far afield. Yeah. I am very sorry, everyone, for breaking down and losing control of the show. But the, oh my god, I don't know where we were before I had my breakdown. Well, why don't we um, go around and talk about? I was sobbing, by the way. Was I? I was just a mess. Yeah, I, I, I think, was sobbing. I think you were. Yeah, we were. We started doing Back to the Future jokes. I don't remember what we were making jokes on when it started. Yeah. I don't know something what we about were Marvin, about. and then yeah, it's your cousin Marvin. This is that new conspiracy you're looking for. So, what do you think of stuff like the moon landing, um, or you know, the secret messages in The Shining? These kind of like non-tragedy, but um sort of historical note events that have conspiracy theories behind them right where there wasn't an atrocity perpetrated yeah, yeah i think that's a very good point and i think that when uh, i i honestly uh don't remember if we've even touched on it but i think that applies to this idea that people like conspiracies because they like having access to secret information exactly like like this idea that having access to the real story which not everyone knows exactly. is appealing it's like an elite club of people and it's like a superiority right. thing just like you know to come back to religion a lot of people who has who have a sense of moral superiority and this is not everyone who's religious but like kind of people who are sort of fringe religious um will kind of consider themselves to be like they know something that we don't all know. And I think that the, 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 the problem with people's mind frame when it comes to conspiracies is that you don't need to prove that there are conspiracies. Like, of course there are conspiracies that, that, you know, are happening behind closed doors, but one of two things either, uh, either happen. They are conspiracies that we see in plain sight. Um, or they are conspiracies that succeeded and therefore um we don't know about them so we only see the the failed conspiracies that get unveiled and the we don't see the the ones that um uh we um that succeed because they've succeeded um and i i think that there are conspiracies but guys on youtube or you know um message boards that's not where you're going to find these conspiracies. You're probably not going to be able to. The idea that some goofball on Wikipedia is going to, you know, unveil the conspiracy is just ridiculous. And I think you're right. It's just like people wanting to feel like they know something that, that, that we don't and that we're all sheep, you know, something like that. But yeah, I, think I think you're it's... all sheep if you believe every piece of crap that you see on YouTube. Well, I think it's that and the fact that information has now become – information is valuable and privileged now uh yeah. it's it's become something that's whether it's the uh the privilege of uh academic institutions or intelligence institutions like the FBI CIA NSA um or uh economic institutions like banks um information has kind of uh has become probably the most valuable thing in the world and so when we yeah right like now when we we shape conspiracy theories the probably the more the more guarded information appears to be the more valuable then it appears to be i don't know if right. that makes sense well, uh, i would say I, I think that's a very good point the 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 idea of information being privileged um and i and i'll, and I'll bring up uh i'll bring up a juxtaposition so 
there are, you know, it's this is something that you can sell. There's a market for this. And Alex Jones has tapped into that market with his media empire on InfoWars and all of his documentaries and his I, he still does a radio show. Um, but um, he's tapped into that and he deals in a lot of conspiracies. Most of these are false flag. They generally have a conservative bent to them. Uh, and then Glenn Beck has also done a very similar thing. His media empire, empire is very much founded on conspiracies over, you know, Obama's not foreknowledge of Benghazi and his background and his racism and all of this stuff. But I think there's a very clear distinction between the two of them. I, you know, this is my own personal belief, and I think that Alex Jones, you know, might very well have something wrong with him. He might have some sort of mental problem. Uh, and this this isn't this isn't like a judgment. It's just it, it, it would appear to me that he the things that he believes in and the logical circles that he has to go to to arrive at a lot of his beliefs are so outlandish that it might very well be evidence of mental problems. On the other hand, I think Glenn Beck is a salesman and I don't think he's genuine or sincere about anything that he says, but he's, he, he has identified a market for these ideas. And so he is going to sell them and he's going to get rich off of them. So you don't think Alex Jones could also just be, you know, a slightly more malicious or not slight, you know, maybe a more malicious, uh, but, you know, equally shrewd salesman as Glenn Beck. He knows that every time uh, something can be spun as a conspiracy theory, it makes him money. Yeah, I the mean, only thing is he's selling pixie dust. <laughs> well, I would say I would say that you know, in terms of uh, in terms of background, like you know, Glenn Beck sort of stumbled into this uh, kind of late in the game. He smelled. Whereas Alex Jones, you know, Alex Jones for throughout the '90s was an Austin local character who had a, a very late night radio show that dealt in all of this sort of stuff. Like, this has been his life for basically ever. There's uh, another and, great guy who does stuff well, like this. And, and that, he, that he was able to tap into the internet and um, get a, louder, uh, a, a larger audience and, you know, set up an online store to sell these videos yeah. is definitely <laughs> evidence of being a shrewd businessman. But I don't think that... I don't think it's... Uh, the fact that he's selling these things doesn't necessarily mean to me that he doesn't believe in them. I think if you watch a lot of their stuff online it, or, or hear a lot of their comments, it's obvious that you know glenn beck manages a media machine and alex jones is trying to get his point of view out there and make a couple dollars off of that he seems so terrified like he always seems like the walls are closing in on him you know he always whenever he's investigating stuff you know people i mean and it very well could be theatrics you yeah know? you know you never know um, I, I i i but i think it's genuine in his case and i think Glenn Beck doesn't give a shit about what he says and is just eager to say shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so are there any of these kind of conspiracy theories that we haven't touched? What about the, um, God, Paul Wellstone, was that his name? He was a, uh, he was a, a senator um, who was killed in a mysterious uh, plane crash. Um, that's a, another one that has uh, um, of late uh, been discussed as a, as a possible conspiracy. Um, 
Really? Because that happened like 15 years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, people still still are talking about it. There's, of course, the, the OJ conspiracy theories. Um, you know, there, there's there's all sorts. There's the JFK Jr. conspiracy theories, which are arguably that that can be the moment where I came up with my first conspiracy theories. I, I remember distinctly the day that, that JFK Jr. died. My mom was really upset, and we were on a class trip to France with all of her students. <clears throat> And I saw her and some of the other ladies who were chaperoning the trip, um, you know, kind of crying uh, as I was leaving the room of one of my mom's students, um, you know, making out and playing with boobies. Uh, and um, I was like, you know, mom, what's wrong? And uh, she was like, oh, JFK Jr. died. And she explained that um, seeing the son die uh, um, brought back all of the feelings of when his father died, the president, because she looked up to him. She really loved him. She was a little girl when, when he was president and when he was murdered, it was almost like her father was murdered and she was very tra traumatized by that. She was, you know, uh, an orphan of Camelot, definitely. And, um, to kind of in reality though, her, d her dad was just dealing with Jim Jones, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, her dad actually made computer technology for um, NASA, actually, the heart monitors that... Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway, conspiracy theories abound there. But anyway, to try to calm her down and make her not cry, I said, well, you know, Mom, this, this is what I think. I think that um, the Kennedys have always faked their own deaths, and they all, because they get sick of being in the limelight, and they, they all live on an island somewhere that they have hidden away called the Island of Lost Kennedys. And uh, everything is going to be, everything's fine. They're all still alive. That's together. where John F. Kennedy's brain is living. <laughs> yeah. In <laughs> inside a robot from N Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And she stopped crying and she felt better. And, techno and looking back, I realized that that's what conspiracy theories do. And I realized that I had just created um, heaven, the idea of heaven, that when people die, you know, it's, oh, grandma's dead. You know, we, we can create a story world. No, grandma's alive. She's up there with grandpa and Shakespeare and they're looking down on us and i realized that the island of lost kennedys i created sort of a, a secular heaven and um even though I, I think that conspiracy is ridiculous um a couple people have said that yeah kennedy's still alive somewhere um in fact there was a, a tabloid that had like a clearly faked picture of an old kennedy he's in a wheelchair. 97 years old yeah exactly <laughs> and uh good thing we cured all of the uh things that uh debilitated him during his time uh you anyway. know i in talking about this, I guess I, something I've been thinking about is what's strange about conspiracy theories is how they reassure, they reassure us even less. Like they don't – a conspiracy theory – I mean does a conspiracy theory comfort us to – Well, that's – I was thinking that very thing as he was talking. The, the – uh, you know, sort of a, as an analogy, a, a drug problem. It's, it solves things right now, but it produces a type of thinking in you that will be dangerous if if you keep pursuing it. Yeah, I think that's a good, so good way to if, put it. So if if you have this if you have this one paranoid idea that calms you down over this thing, you know, as more events arise and your paranoia grows and you keep delving into more and more conspiracy theories, you know, you'll think that alien or the government is zapping your vagina. That was like a like this lady that my dad did pro bono. That was your childhood fear? Well, this this lady did uh my dad did uh, like pro bono law law work for this lady who was just an insane woman. And she would tell me things like the government was zapping her vagina and that she saw me on TV being sexually assaulted. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I'm not saying that everyone who believes in something they can't prove is as crazy as 
the vagina zap lady. But I think you're right that she probably started on some sort of strain of paranoia that took her down this dark path where she's hiding under a blanket thinking that there's like vagina lasers all around her. Well, is that, is that along the lines of what you were trying to say, Gene? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly along the lines. Um, no, I mean the general, the general point about it, because uh, you're were, you were saying that it doesn't really assure. Right. Well, like, uh, if I can go back and make the comparison to creation myths, where uh, mm-hmm. gods were used to account for any kind of quirk or random event in nature, you know, uh, ancient civilizations couldn't begin to understand why an earthquake would happen or why um you know a drought would occur and but when they understood it as you know the kind of machinations of a vengeful god um that was reassuring that was reassuring to them because right because well that was it was it was kind of restored back to their control like okay well if we act in a certain way uh you know the bad thing won't happen um it was it was a kind of unification of uh, knowledge that they couldn't really totalize. It was like kind of, they were able to reincorporate it back into their, you know, totalized knowledge. Whereas with conspiracy theory, um, we can't accept when a when someone when a president is randomly shot, we can't accept that. But instead of trying to, I don't know. It's like are we unifying it sort of into this? world system of uh, an economic political structure that's really no longer understandable to people because um the, the way government works the way uh the econ- the world economy works now it's become so complex and so uh secretized that but the, you know the average human being doesn't really understand how it works anymore um it's it kind of almost puts us back at the point that ancient civilizations were at sort of at the mercy of nature, not really understanding how the world worked. And the way we kind of unify that is uh, not meant to comfort us, but to actually kind of fragment us more and make us feel even more alienated uh, from that knowledge. Meant by, meant by whom? Meant. What do you mean meant by whom? You said it's meant to, uh, fragment us meant by whom oh sorry i mean the whoever finds whoever i guess believes in a conspiracy theory yeah i don't i i, I guess i can't put myself in their shoes but they're pro- they're not they don't feel more comfortable uh with the explanation they're not comforted by the explanation but more alienated um from their environment or I guess, or like from so, the co- so so maybe it's it's not that it's a it, it's not that the explanation itself is comforting, but that there is an explanation is comforting. And the comfort that they know what the explanation is, it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, at least I know what happened there. Is that what you're trying to say, Gene? Uh, no, because I would say like take like an you know take the ancient myth or that's like you know there are, there are gods in all animals or you know like that kind of sort of comforts us because the god narrative was something that ancients felt like they had mastered um they felt like that the moral the moral codes that they developed were meant to appease uh these gods of randomness they had mastered that randomness um but and then in in this instance we're not mastering that randomness really because um we're we're even more now at the mercy of this, you know, kind of 
shadowy gray figure, whether it's the U.S. government or it's the banking system um, or the Jews that, uh, <laughs> well, that's trying. It's redundant to say banking system and Jews. Right. <laughs> banking system, Hollywood, Hollywood. Yeah. Miami. No, just, yeah, I, I think we I, I guess it's we're connect instead of connecting it to our origins or or, or or to life we're now connecting it to our death like this is how this will it always portends the end of society in a way which yeah like the can't be comforting to that people. Um, obama is like satan or some sort of dictator and people always put point to that quote that um you know the the the, the devil will come in the form of someone we think is a savior or whatever um, and, um, everyone's sort of pointing to Obama as this, like, Hitler or Satan to the point where there's, like, a, t- a television program about the Bible that whenever they show Satan, he looks like Obama. Oh, right. And on the, on the History Channel. Yeah, that's on the, the History Channel. It's like, why is Jesus white, but, but, uh, but God is black? I thought he was supposed to be, like, his son. But and, also, uh, why did Obama that's... agree to play that part? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, look now, uh, J Slice Christ. Uh, I'm your pops. Uh, you're my one uh, white child, and uh, I'm gonna look after you. Uh, and but Sasha and Malia are gonna be my real children. So y'all can uh, go uh, get hung on a uh, piece of wood. Yeah. Fuck yourself. Well, he did take that seven percent pay cut, so <laughs> he's, he's got to shore up that income elsewhere. Man, you do a really good Obama. Lee. No, that's, yeah, that's uh, that is Obama. <laughs> Obama, he's just hanging out. Man, I got a fucking ice cream truck going by, playing this stupid song. There's also oh, you want ice cream so bad. No, no, it's just gonna be all over the microphone. The (laughs) windows are closed, and I can still hear. Why don't you get one of those Pink Panther lolly new theme song pops or the Ninja Turtle pop? You you remember? Man, the Pink Panther and the Ninja Turtles; those were the best because they had gumballs. Yeah, as like the nose or some shit or the yeah. Oh wow! I would try to like eat it so that the gumballs were the last thing I could eat. It was very hard to do. Did you have to share with all your brothers, like you all had to lick off the same Ninja Turtle? What are you, insane? That's disgusting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we we took baths together, but we did not share Ninja Turtle pops. One, one thing I was going to... There was a question that was uh, inspired by your um, recent comments, Gene. Uh... My in scattered, creation... unfocused recent comments. <laughs> yeah, well, one one piece of uh, mini creation myths is this idea of the flood, and um, a lot of uh, researchers have ascribed that to some sort of cataclysmic climate event. Um, probably the the melting of the ice age that preceded, like the Neolithic era. And that that continued in the cultural memory and took its manifested form in these various, um, you know, like uh, Babylonian or Judeo-Christian belief systems that have some sort of flood event and ascribe it to a god who is doing something. A god Um, whose moral code had been uh, broken. Yeah, broken. Uh, And I was just wondering if you think that... Of all the, of all the, the, if all the atrocities of the past century are one giant flood <laughs> from which well, we shall I, rise. I, 
this is just this is just my ignorance but i know you know more about it were those is that a legacy thing like did the babylonian flood story turn into the judeo-christian flood story or were they parallel uh and if they were parallel and they were being inspired by the same thing um how how might that relate to conspiracy theories where we have a huge culturally relevant event that is then explained by diverse uh, conspiracy theories that have a lot in common with one another. Yeah, I guess the difference would be that. Am I ju- or am I just off the field, like just gone? No, uh, I. Both. I mean, it's interesting to think about. Um, the flood, yeah, appears in basically every major cre- uh, cre- well, yeah, creation myth, or basically just um, a, a, a racial or um, kind of nation myth. Um, it's in the Sumerian myth, the Babylonian, Assyrian, uh, Egyptian. Um, and it's always, I guess it always kind of serves this purpose of like, it could happen again. And kind of from the, uh, kind of from the, 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 uh, the dross of, of the flood rose this, um, kind of moral code, uh, that instructed people how to live so that the flood would never happen again. Um, except I guess back then you didn't have people going, the flood wasn't real. You know, <laughs> it was, it was a false the, flood. The flood flag. was the yeah. The, no, it, the, the flood, flood the really original, was a false flag. Yeah, the flood is the original false flag. Um, there were people crisis be- actors, the the, <laughs> the animals in the boat. There were crisis. Those were crisis Shem. drowners. Um, <laughs> they were characters from the video game Crisis, with a Y. Yeah. <laughs> when when Noah let loose those birds, they were just crisis birds. He he released the bird. And the one that came back was actually a trained bird from the CIA that was trying to explain to him that there was dry land. It was that robot bird from the original um, Wrath of the Titans or yeah. whatever that one. Noah was. had two. Noah had two backpacks on the ark. <laughs> <laughs> the bird was closing a deal for Studio. <laughs> uh, uh. But yes, yeah, sorry, Gene. You were saying. Uh, I mean, well, that was kind of my point. Is that um, that when you know, 9-11 happened or when JFK happened, the government was always kind of quick to connect it to, uh, you know, what JFK was connected to Cuba. So it's an attack on capitalism and 9-11, it was attacking our freedom. And, you know, obviously that message was mobilized in some parts, but you had obvious, you know, you had a, a large enough sector of people that quickly disbelieved it. And saw that as a tool, saw the whole event as a propaganda tool or, uh, you know, an instrument of myth. You see, that's the real world. And that's what men get angry at and don't like because we want our people to be safe. We want we want decency and honor and purity and what's good, not because we're perfect, but because we're reaching to be good. We know how fallen we are, and we know the minute we don't reach and try to be good and reach for the stars and reach for what's good, that our civilization is swept away into a road warrior scenario of pain and destruction, that our country is being used as the battle axe by this wicked system worldwide to bring devastation and destruction to innocence across the world. And that spirit... Uh, so, guys, we're, we're coming in on the close of this episode, so... 
I, I want to say thank you. I think this was a very interesting yeah, discussion. It was fun to have kind of a free-wheeling, um, open-ended discussion. We kind of bring up the conspiracies that might not merit a whole episode, but you know, we want to kind of get into the uh, the archives. Yes. Right. And and I I want to say to our audience, please get in touch with us if you like this episode. Yeah. If you would like us to do more meta kind of episodes like focusing on you know perhaps cults or let's or get some just some other suggestions whatever you guys want do you want us to take our shirts but off I, but, uh, I mean <laughs> but i also want to thank a lot of people who already responded to some questions that i put up on the twitter feed over the week who you know just like what what was your favorite conspiracy theory and what um you know what about them did you like and so there were a lot of people on online who told us about stuff and that sort of influenced my approach to the discussion and, and so thank you for people who are responding on twitter yeah if you would like to respond on twitter it's at inside jobs cast and uh you can also email us inside jobs cast at gmail.com and that's super helpful and we also have a couple of phone calls do you guys want to hear some phone calls oh, cool yeah oh man a couple hundred but we'll play yeah we'll play the top two, two. we'll play we'll, one or two yeah. let's play the top top two so i don't know do you guys remember tristan who called us last week from detroit yeah of course who could forget yeah he was pretty great yeah and he asked us about jimmy hoffa oh great yeah 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 definitely which is definitely definitely an upcoming episode yes yeah but um he (laughs) he got drunk over the weekend dude tristan he called us a cup oh man tristan drunk dialed us (laughs) <laughs> yes. You booty call multiple times. You guys want to podcast a little bit? <laughs> yeah, um, guys. So, please, but he had. Please make our hotline one of your T-Mobile Fave Five numbers, <laughs> so that when you're drunk, you are more likely to drunk dial us. <laughs> yes, I fully agree. And with leave that. us a message no, just... telling us how you always loved us. Tristan called in, and he uh, he also wrote us an email. So I'll tell you about the email after this call so here we go hey guys this is Tristan from Detroit again you guys are so sweet I decided to call back (laughs) and I work in a Detroit bookstore so I get a lot of weirdos suffice to say and on behalf of one of them I'd like to ask what's up with the reptoids because this lady totally convinced that I you most of the peoples are aliens mm. as reptoids. No jokes. This is far from the only person I've had to ask what the fuck they're talking about. Okay, no jokes. These books. It's pretty much the shit that you do when you sell books. It's reptoids, magic, and fuck magic. Because it sucks and it's not real. Bye. Thanks for the podcast. Thanks, Tristan. I mean, I agree. Fuck magic. <laughs> magic is such bullshit. I, when I worked at, at at a bookstore in Santa Cruz, the the like the most loss in the bookstore was from people uh, shoplifting magic and astrology <laughs> and uh, psychic books. Books on how to with... use slate of hand to shoplift this book. Yeah. <laughs> no, like magic with a C K, like M A G I C K. They thought they were magic. Like, the how to how to how to be witches and how to cast spells and well, uh, they they were paying for it with karma, is what they thought. Right, and they're trying Crystal. to get experience points too. 
I like how Tristan said he works at a Detroit bookstore, so needless to say, he gets a lot of weirdos. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just axiomatic that people who live in Detroit and buy books are Tristan, weirdos. I'd like to know, um, do you have any good uh, JFK books in your um, in your bookstore? I, I've always been looking for a book called Pictures of the Pain, uh, Pictures of Pain, that uh, Mr. Grodin actually put together. And uh, Mr. Have Charles that, Grodin. Let me know, and I will order it from you. Lee, he's not actually on the phone with us. That was just a recording. Yeah, I know, but he's <laughs> going to listen to this, I think. Oh. Yeah, Tristan, please call back and tell us if you have that book, and we'll play it on the episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll just read the picture book on the episode. Yeah. In in his email to us, which was written still while drunk, and it's, it's kind of hard to follow, uh, he does have a link to his bookstore, and, and they have a ton of rare books. Oh, cool. So... He might actually be able to help you out, but he also offered to, you know, call in and be our our a inside jobs reporting agent to tell us whenever anyone comes up and ha- has a question at the bookstore about some insane conspiracy theory or hidden history yeah, secret a, society type question. Yeah, I I welcome that. I think that would be great. Chris, Tristan is a cool guy. And I have definitely dealt with those types of questions in the past, and they are insane. Yeah, we're happy to feel those. To the reptoids, before you get into the uh, the email, um, I, I think... That was the email. Oh, okay. The email, oh, okay. great. There we go. Uh, yeah, definitely okay. pro that. Um, reptoids, there's been a few. I think Rumsfeld was supposed to be a reptoid. Yeah, I feel um, like the reptoids is a whole nother... Should we save this? Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's... Tristan, let's we commit that. to getting into the Reptoids. There will definitely um, be a Reptoids episode. Okay, that sounds like a cool uh, 90s puppet sitcom. Next on Reptoids. Yeah, that was, or, or a Friends episode, the one with the Reptoids. <laughs> <laughs> and the coming on a tween's chest. Um, They're not tweens, so we have... man. They're not tweens in HBO Girls. It's HBO Women. Oh, sorry. I don't um, watch any tween programs. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, Here's, guys. Those uh, are women. Here is here is the uh, another call from our famous uh, hater, I guess you could oh, call cool. him. Oh, cool. Oh, our rival. Don't hate the hey player. Hey carpetbaggers. I'm calling this week to say I will not seek nor accept any more half-hearted podcasts from you assholes. <laughs> It's obvious that Sir Hun Sir Hun was a Manchurian candidate and that the lady in the polka dot dress was his queen of hearts. Uh, but you totally brushed over that as they were talking about how the Jews of Europe are the only ones you can say fill them properly. Uh, Gene eventually got it right, but um, he lost me when he badmouthed Gin in favor of a Harvey Wallbanger, which is a fucking joke because everybody knows that's just vodka, Galia Hunter, orange juice, a wall, and Lee's cousin. And banger. Man, yeah. So, what do you have to say to that? Who's that I guy mean, again? That is Mark. Dad. He calls in every every episode to tell us how shitty we are. Man, Mark is great. Yeah, he's telling it like it is. I think that's Mark Furman, right, from the uh, um, mm-hmm. O.J. Simpson trial. See, little does Mark yeah. know that we kind of like to think of ourselves as the Primus of podcasts. So, kind <laughs> yeah. of like how Primus <laughs> always urge their audience to say Primus sucks or you yeah. suck. So that anytime someone said you suck, they could take it in the affirmatively. When people call yeah, in, you and, talked about that uh, last or a couple weeks ago. I think. Oh, I, I've already said this. Have I made this joke already? Yes, you've already. <laughs> yes, you've already made you this. Already joke. pulled this one out of the archives. Oh bad. God, let's edit this out. 
Uh, but he did have a very good point about Banger. We love having Banger in the episode. So, so Lee, I believe you have a Banger story. Okay. If you're cool or if you're geek, you will enjoy the Banger story of the week. Okay. So, um, you guys, you have a choice from three different episodes. Three different episodes. Three different... Uh, I guess they are episodes in Banger's life. And you choose... You guys have to come to some consensus about which one you want. Okay? You guys ready? All right. Number one, the golf cart... Was that? Okay, sorry. Uh, number one, the golf cart incident. Number uh, number B, Cap'n and Cap'n. Um, and then number C, that's the third one, Banger's Gold. We have to go with Banger's Gold, obviously. Yeah, Banger's Gold, 100%. Russell Edmund Banger Lindgren III was always sort of a hustler. <laughs> and... Um, he once went to a garage sale and found a huge box of um, 1990s um, European football trading cards, okay? And I brought over to show him this Shaq promotional Pepsi card um, that I had um, given to him. And, um, or I'm sorry, that my dad had given to me. And he hustled me into trading for all of these worthless cards um this Shaq Pepsi card. And I realized that I had gotten hustled. Um and uh but Rusty wouldn't give back the the Shaq card. So um I decided to buy it off of him. So Rusty has like just kind of um oriented himself or he has uh, sort of positioned himself to get five bucks just by kind of moving some product back and forth. Um and we all go out to breakfast and uh Banger goes into like a local sort of coin collectors type store and um, robs and they, it. <laughs> and robs it <laughs> blind. And they have, um, uh, you can buy like little speckles of gold. So he takes like whatever money he had and he buys like this little vial of gold. <laughs> and um, he comes like a out. Like liquid gold that you can drink? <laughs> yeah, liquid gold that turns into Terminators. Um, no, it was gold like just Schlager? like, yeah, gold Schlager. He bought some gold Schlager. It was sort of was like that. It was just kind of like glittery little pieces of gold in a vial. And, uh, this was like Banger's first investment. And I remember he walked out of the little gold coin store and we all gave him like a standing ovation in the parking lot. And, uh, that's the story of Banger's gold. Man, the first and last standing ovation that Banger <laughs> Sanger Golden ever got. What a great banger Banger's story. gold. Story of Banger's well, gold. Well, I, th- I think this was a really successful episode. It was a little different, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I thought it was a great time. Yeah. yeah. Although I think Mark was right about the previous episode. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, email us insidejobscast at gmail.com or you can uh, connect with us on Twitter at insidejobscast or you can call our um, voicemail like... Tristan and Mark and that phone number is 413-225-1963 just leave a message and try to make it short also we love Uh, our fans who have rated us five stars or more on iTunes absolutely and we absolutely despise our quote unquote fans who have rated us four stars or less on iTunes. Did you know we have a two-star rating on yeah, there? Yeah, that was, that was me. Sorry, guys. 
That is fucking. That was me. I don't know what's that worse. Is insane. That you rated us two stars, or that you just admitted on air that you rated your own show. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like how in the Joy Luck Club, how that that man character doesn't give his wife a better job because it's his wife. I feel like the podcast. Yeah, it's just like in the Joy Luck Club, <laughs> yeah. with which we were you we really are just all like a Joy Luck Club reference. Like that uh, was something geez, Brian you know, and I would understand. Price. That's a pretty deep pull. I don't know. I made a Golden Girls episode joke earlier, so and also uh, that tween game where hot guys would call you on a pink phone reference. So I don't know where I'm going. This. <laughs> well, we all played that game. <laughs> you were more into that mall madness one where you went around a mall and used a, a little a credit card to buy girl things. Yeah, I would just hide in the women's bathroom, listening to women's shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ, cut this all out. This, is, this episode is going to be like 4.5 minutes. Yeah, uh, and it's just going to be me laughing at my own Back to the Future. Oh, okay. <laughs> this episode um, brought to you by Back to the Future. Don't need no credit card uh, to ride this train. That's the power of love. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, yes, thanks to everyone for listening. Gene and Lee, thank you for joining me for this riveting conversation. We will be back in two weeks. Until then, follow the money. And the Nazis were great at it.